0: Hello and welcome to episode nine of My Rhetorical Life. In this episode, I am doing a genre analysis of an individual education plan. And I wanted to see how the the conventions of an IEP can uh, kind of hold back a conversation that sometimes needs to be had in the classroom. So I started looking into it in my teaching composition class that I'm taking right now and I was fascinated to really think about how the people that are creating and establishing the conventions of this genre aren't really in the room for the conversation. That being uh, the Department of Education is typically who has created and established in each state the individualized education plan, the format for it, and the deciding of the conventions. And with their construction of it, there are of course some affordances, but there are also some constraints. And I found much interest as I was uh, exploring this genre. And so I wanted to take my conversation further and and talk with somebody who has more experience than me. I'm just a classroom teacher who attends an IEP meeting, but I am not the gifted, the special education, member or the parent in the room so my participation in the involvement of an individual education program has been really one-sided and I know bias so um, and, and just limited so I was curious to talk to somebody who is more of an expert in the room a spectrum teacher because I was particularly looking at how these IEPs use a language of deficit, uh, a language of lack. Uh, We're talking about what students cannot do in the classroom and what are their uh, failings. And I wanted to instead really look at how when we apply this genre to a gifted student, uh, what does that do to the conversation and maybe what conversations aren't being had because The certain conversations are not a part of the convention on the forms that they have so uh, my idea was going into this that it would be amazing if an IEP for a gifted student would look a little bit differently than an IEP for a student with disabilities Um, and even that being said there is still a language of lack uh, that maybe doesn't serve the best interest of the student being that language sets up expectations, and we want to make sure that we are recognizing the value of every student and what they can achieve. So these are some of the questions and ideas that I had going into my project. So I wanted to bring in, again, a specialist into the room, and the person that I chose to interview to gain me a little more insight is my dear friend Nikki Hall. She works with me in Rutherford County Schools, although she has uh, transferred schools, and I know that she has a background uh, that will certainly help me in my endeavors with understanding this a little bit more, and I want to share it with you. So here is our recording of our conversation, and I'll be back when we're done to kind of reflect on it and see what we got out of the lesson. I just want to say thank you for joining me today. Uh, it's my dear friend Nikki and uh, soon to be Dr. Hall.
1: Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh,
0: um, and I'm excited for you and your kind of career and pathway you're taking has been, I feel like someone who would help my research uh, because you began as an English teacher and then you moved to Spectrum, correct?
1: Yes, I did
0: you worked with gifted students and then from that you are now um in administration kind of or or headed that way i see um instructional coach in that role anyway right
1: yes yes So,
0: so i just thought that you would be somebody who had an insight from a couple different angles who could talk about um ieps and what your experience has been with them So if you could just tell me a little bit about um, maybe just for a background, what what your take on Spectrum was or what your role was as a Spectrum teacher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my experience, I guess, technically started in in the English classroom where I had students in my advanced honors classes and my AP classes who had gifted IEPs. And Mm -hmm. I didn't quite know what to do with them because they weren't like extended time because they couldn't understand the material. Um, A lot of times it was extended time because they had test anxiety. So there were a few Mm. like small things that I didn't notice um, that I didn't know before I actually had gifted students in my English classroom. Um, I didn't come from a SPED background, so Mm -hmm. my experience was the training that I got from um, a Vanderbilt program for gifted students that um, in order to keep my position as a gifted teacher, because I didn't have a SPED background, I had to do like a summer program at Vanderbilt um, in order to gain that experience and kind of understand how the brain works and how uh, gifted students, their brains work a little bit differently. Um, so most of my experience comes from that. Um, and then when it comes to like IEPs, I just kind of, I didn't really know where to start again. They were very different from, um, an inclusion sped IEP, like I said, um, and just kind of understanding students and their differences gave me a very different outlook, Um, Mm -hmm. So then when I took the the Spectrum position in Rutherford County, um, I was able to take a little bit of experience from the classroom, uh, thinking about how students learn and how they learn differently and how their disability, I use Mm -hmm. air quotes um, because it's really an exceptionality, Um, but in an IEP, it's still looked at as a disability um, how their disability impacts them. And it's not the same for every student. Um, right.
0: Yeah. That's why you have the individualized plan. Yes. So I'm really interested in the language of an IEP and, um, just the wording, because, you know, words have so much to do with expectation. And I think if the idea of an IEP is to bring people who together, who have a, um, I guess, a, a concern for a student to help this individual student come up with the best opportunity to grow and to learn. Oftentimes those stakeholders will, mandated by law as a parent. And then we have the, a classroom teacher, a spectrum, spectrum teacher, so you've served in both those facilities, um, and then also, there sometimes as a counselor, sometimes an admin. I don't know if those are required. Yes. But okay. Um, but so one then group coming to the table there is parents and their experience and what they know about being in IEP and accommodations. You know, this is that's a lot of language that they're not familiar with, so I think uh, it can be intimidating for a parent and my thoughts were that when they come to the table that whatever the language is laid out and the expectations um, that are derived from the conversation parents really just follow you know they don't seem to have a leadership role so if the language is a language of lack it can i think lead parents and students and teachers in a conversation that is maybe headed in a surprising uh, direction for a gifted student. Because you said right there on their disability and Mm -hmm. kind of using air quotes around that. But so it's like coming to the table saying, hi, your student's gifted, your student is talented um, and we're gonna call that a disability. Right. um, So what were your thoughts? Have, Have you experienced, do you remember any shock or How have parents responded to that? Have you noticed anything? Um, I honestly have always opened my meetings
1: with the explanation of disability versus exceptionality. Um, I think it is important for parents to really understand that as a form, this is what it looks like across the board for all students, regardless of whether it's actually a deficit um, in reading or math or whatever for a SPED IEP or it's a spectrum IEP because it is the same kind of shell, regardless of what the student needs. And then you kind of fill in the goals and the, the um, you know performance levels and things like that. Okay, so, so you do for,
0: begin the conversation by talking about that with parents.
1: Absolutely, with parents and with students, because uh-huh. they will also, for high school especially, um, the students are in the meeting. So it's really important for them to understand what the form says versus how we kind of tackle their individualized plan.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Um, I'm, I'm thinking about the, the, the wording there. I love that you've reminded me that the student is also in the room. So yeah, that is really important. I, I would think to how we talk about that and to give them language. Earlier, you had said um, that extended time was something that a gifted student might have due to test anxiety. I thought that was interesting. I have lots of students who have anxiety who are gifted, but that has not um, showed up in my IEPs yet. Um, So you did have that though. There
1: were a few exceptions. I will be honest, though. There are times when the school psychologist will be in the meeting, and it really depends on the school psychologist's take on that student and their performance. One of the hardest parts about providing SPED services, again, regardless of where the student falls, um, is whether the accommodations that we apply for classroom instruction if those accommodations aren't going to be accepted by the state for TCAP or ACT, especially in high school, we really try not to put those stipulations on the teacher for Mm -hmm. that 180 days. Because if we give that student extended time in the classroom, but then ACT declines that that accommodation, then it doesn't serve that student in the long run. So a lot of times that's a part of the conversation in an IEP Um, and it's also the, the school psychologist who says, you know, I think that we should work on, um, maybe specific tools to work through your anxiety rather than just a blanket extended time, um, accommodation.
0: I love hearing that, that that conversation is happening and I can only Mm -hmm. hope that that does, um, you know, kind of show itself in these groups, um, I I guess I I was looking at IEPs as a genre study um, and about whether or not they were actually uh, the conventions set up in a genre if they are serving the student well um, or um, like what the strengths are. So I guess uh, maybe I'll just ask you that question is when you consider an IEP. and the conventions that you would typically find in one, and I can speak like this because again, you were an English teacher, (laughs) but the conventions of um, student information, the goals, the needs assessment, um, what do you think are the strengths of IEPs as a genre?
1: Yeah. Um, I think that that's a great question. And a part of the, the biggest strength, I think, honestly, is the fact that it is individualized. The good mm-hmm. thing about Spectrum is that although I might have um, 70 students, mm-hmm. only 20 of them are juniors or 20 of them are seniors. And I can really kind of hone in on that particular year for that group. Mm-hmm. Um, so for juniors, for example, we might be talking about they're in their needs assessment, it might talk about what colleges are you looking towards and what Mm -hmm. are the specific goals that you need to hit in order to be able to apply to that college. And we talk about scholarships and all those great things, but there's also um, a component where the students get to choose. Like sure, all juniors were talking about this, but we also have to individualize it for each particular student. So if student A is having test anxiety, then what are skills that we can work on to improve in this area? Um, and then the, the second student in that same class might have a different area that they need to focus on. So the biggest strength of the IEP is that it's individualized. Um, it allows it
0: Uh, meaning that also you you're having a sit down time with that student absolutely
1: absolutely just just
0: the fact that there's a meeting that's a strength yeah
1: so we're fortunate enough to have those annual um whole group all stakeholders come together for the student meetings but then we also have group meetings in spectrum where all of the juniors come together because we're talking about something that's you know, kind of generalized. And then we have individual meetings where students are able to kind of really just share what they are struggling with and what, um, what, what's a plan that we can come up with to help those students. So it's kind of tiered, right? So we have a, a big, broad, everybody comes to the table. There's a peer to peer interaction in their group meetings and then that's individualized. There are some times where students will take homework home and they would work on, uh, you know, college research or whatever, and then they mm-hmm. come back to the table, whether that's individual or in groups. Um, and they're able to share what they what they have so far.
0: That's great. Um, I- Okay, this next question um, is, I, I did wanna follow up and ask the weaknesses, but I think I'll come back to that instead because yeah. this follows right up to, with what you were saying. But um, I know I remember sitting in IEP sessions and uh, thinking this is a great conversation that's happening here. Students are talking with, um, like they're having one-to-one guidance about, have you done this for college? And as a parent of juniors right now, um, my twins, I I can't help but think like, I want somebody to have that conversation with them and to be individualized with them. And of course, I'm doing it as their parent, but that's not, you know, always working. Like I want someone from the school to look at them and say, hey, you got something that's special. Do you know what it is? And what are you doing about it? What are you telling those colleges? What are you searching for in the future? And I've just seen some very awesome Spectrum teachers have these conversations that, um, you know, I'm saddened. My daughters aren't a part of the Spectrum program in Rutherford County schools. Well, and now they're in a different system anyway, but they don't get that conversation. And I started thinking, I can't help but question are the very students that are being offered these conversations, the students who are finding the conversations at their dinner table already, um, or or maybe less likely to need it. Like, I feel like we're having this great IEP plan for people, but then I look at the rest of the class and I just feel Mm -hmm. like there are so many others who need that conversation with an adult. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: complete (laughs) moment of vulnerability. That's honestly why I left spectrum and went back to the English classroom. Um, I kind of felt like when I had this opportunity dropped in my lap, I would be split juniors and seniors. And I was like, that's Mm -hmm. the target. Like that's who I want to meet. Um, and I've always had inclusion, like sped students Mm -hmm. on the other end of the spectrum. Um, that's a double meaning for that word but (laughs) right right, right. (laughs) but I've always had inclusion students and those are the students who they don't have a parent who went to college they don't have a parent who's sitting at the dinner table with them talking about what's next and have you done this and you know checking off the things on the list and those are you know to me the sweet spot as an English teacher as any teacher is to find students who didn't know what all of their options were and just kind of Open that door, or just crack the window, and hope that they would, you know, force their way in. So mm-hmm. that is oh, I, com-
0: point you I completely
1: said. thank you. I completely understand um, what you mean, and that was a moment where I had to kind of, you know, take a step back and think: Is this where I can have the biggest impact?
0: Yeah. Because I did
1: well, love Spectrum, and I I know that it's important, but I also wanted to be able to provide that to you know, 150 kids instead of just 70,
0: you know. Yes. Yeah. And so I, um, I saw this study, too, that, um, you know, the, the type of students that you're serving as well um, ends up being like the upper middle class, you know, just the ones who have the disadvantage or excuse me, the advantage um, mm-hmm. or privilege and just keep handing it to them saying, yes, right. you're doing great right with this. Let's continue to give you more. And that's yes. part of what Spectrum is designed to do. And that's beautiful. But I mean, it's not just like you've privilege, here's more, but it's like you've achieved, you've done something with it. And yes. you're, you have a different way of learning is of course mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be. But I just think, I just see the rest of the the classroom. And I think it's a radical idea and financially impossible, but that is a type of attention that I want for every student and every child.
1: Right. And I think honestly that that was the start of guidance counselors and why (laughs) as a school system, we started pushing, you know, instead of having two, we need three. And now instead of having three, we need four. Um, And there are some schools where For example, the Title I school where I am now, they have not only school counselors, but they have something called STARS counselors and college advisors. So there are multiple kind of tiers to to help different students who might not fall into the spectrum category.
0: Yeah, we don't have that at my school, but I like that idea. Right. So
1: I think that there there is kind of a push to, to undergird this section of the population for lack of a better word that that aren't being served through spectrum but we we definitely want to push them and and show them that there are options
0: okay okay um something else i wanted to share with you that i found just this morning when i was doing a little more research is that i'm just curious your response to this but 32 states right now recognize gifted students as a subpopulation in need of service 32. I just thought that that was a mandated thing that spectrum students would receive something. And I was reading, they were calling it the excellence gap,
1: which Mm -hmm. is different
0: than an achievement gap. Right. Uh, Are you familiar with that term excellence gap?
1: I have heard it. I haven't done a lot of reading on it, um, Mm -hmm. but I have heard it before. Yes.
0: Does it surprise you to hear that only 32 states Recognize,
1: no, and I think it probably comes down to financial. Like, mm-hmm. if we, if we um, pinpoint this, these students, then we then have to serve them, you know. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's probably a, a big part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I was reading like state of Massachusetts, for example, is a state that does not um consider it. Um, a population, um, mm-hmm. and so they. Um, I found a group that is like pushing and lobbying um, to to recognize that in two thousand five, some you know laws were made that did rec- nationally <laughs> recognize mm-hmm. this, and that mandates have been made, and where the money is, and to kind of just shine it back to the state school boards and say, like, this is a law, actually. Yeah. And it's all comes, I guess it's down to the rhetoric and the semantics in it and your population. So just a tricky point, but that surprised me. I assumed that every state um, was working to meet the needs of exceptional students. And I'm not surprised that there's an excellence gap when I hear that not all schools have this program.
1: Right. Right. But
0: um, okay, then I, I, let me backtrack a little then and ask you if you found any constraints or frustrations, particularly with an IEP um, documentation. um, I think the format, Mm -hmm.
1: yeah. I think the format of the IEP is uh, very specific to students who have um, high needs because of a deficit. Which that's the language of the IEP. Um, with with Spectrum, though, we're looking at gifted students who they are um, there, they were tested because a teacher or a parent or someone found that they were exceptional in, in one area or another. Um, and when you're using the exact same form, it makes it a little tricky how we provide those services. So um, For example, with Spectrum in in Rutherford County, it's very different because it's not a set class. So on the IEP document where it has for a student who has a math deficit, for example, they would receive services five days a week in a tier three math class. That's very specific. And I can write that into the IEP. With Spectrum, though, it's almost, I don't want to say voluntary, but it's, there there's no set time to have spectrum meetings there's Mm -hmm. no I can't say Monday through Friday I'm going to provide 50 minutes of services because if we have a um a pie time for example if I pull a student during pie time which is their remediation time but their English teacher needs them or their math teacher needs them those teachers are always going to trump spectrum so Mm -hmm. it, it it seems very um we get into sticky situations where we say we have a meeting three times a week when that student might not actually be meeting with me three times a week. It might only be twice because they had to go to math on Monday and Mm -hmm. I'm only at this school on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So things like that um, were an issue.
0: I'm sorry, uh, can you say that one more time? So there were some constraints than the actual format of of, of high school like the high school is kind of what you're saying there it doesn't align with okay Mm -hmm. that's interesting Um, other than
1: that i wouldn't it would probably kind of like what you said we aren't able to serve students who um In the way that we serve Spectrum students, it's not academic. It's more social, emotional, and um, what can we do outside of the academics? Because generally, that's not a problem area for them. Um, But what can we do outside of academics? Usually social, emotional learning, um, organization, planning, um, you know, ways to manage anxiety or stress or whatever. Um, Those are things that should be a given for every student. And, you know, that's kind of a struggle as a teacher who I understand that all students need this thing um, and we're not, we're not getting it in their daily, their daily instructional time.
0: This is fascinating to me because I have been a teacher for 23 years and have gone to, I couldn't count how many um, IEP meetings for gifted students, but the, I have never been told that the social emotional focus is kind of what you're working towards with gifted students in those IEP meetings. I, as a classroom teacher attending those sessions, I'm never really quite sure what is wanted from me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had interpreted it to mean that I am here to give a snapshot picture of how the student is doing in my classroom. And that might be true, Um, but I thought that I was just trying to reassure everyone in the room that I had a challenging classroom and that I was holding that student to a high bar. Never has anyone said anything to me about like helping students with anxiety, helping to plan or or anything, although we have talked about colleges and ideas uh, for their future and, you know, transitioning, you know, out of high school, but That's a different way to frame it, to think of it as being, um, trying to help them with their anxiety with it. I I had no, idea. like, that is not how it has been kind of suggested to me. And that seems appropriate, purposeful, and almost what I was here doing my research, wishing that I would find. So maybe the spectrum teacher has this, you know, different view that as a classroom teacher, I'm not getting that.
1: Mm -hmm. I would definitely say that one of the things as spectrum teachers that we don't want to do is put those constraints on the gen ed teacher to say, in addition to having a rigorous classroom and grading their assignments quickly because they're anxious about their, you know,
0: um,
1: in addition to all of those things, you also have to provide them time to write it down in their planner and talk to them about when things are due and give them reminders. And, you know, that's a lot to put back on a teacher. Um, And myself having been in the classroom and understanding that, that was never something that I wanted to do. So a lot of the invitation of the gen ed teacher to the meeting is like you said, get providing a snapshot of how that student does in your class, making sure that you are, you know, maintaining, you know, higher order thinking in class, and you're allowing them to, to kind of be creative while also following the rubric or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're doing. Mm-hmm. But the spectrum teacher then takes on the burden of that extra social emotional planning, stress management, all of well, those things. Well, praise God!
0: Why don't they tell us you're there for us <laughs> like that? <laughs> Hallelujah! I mean, I am in the classroom, and I have as an AP teacher, so many gifted students. And, um, you know, that's unfortunate that I didn't know this until now. And I'm thankful for you having um, brought this to my attention that, you know, the spectrum teacher is not just there for the student, Mm -hmm. but is there for the classroom teacher. Yeah. just kind of blew my mind right there and i'm not sure what that's going to do to my paper <laughs> uh, but i i appreciate this and I think that there's room there for the schools to grow to make that more known to us classroom right. teachers yeah that would be good <laughs> uh, well i just want to say that i think that you do an amazing job i know in the classroom and um i just i've always admired your work and to I know you're not serving the spectrum population anymore now, but as an administrator overseeing these things, like you are someone who is making me uh, believe in education again. And um, and Thank I'm you. not just saying that because you're my friend and I think you're awesome. And, and it is your birthday, <laughs> not all <laughs> those reasons, but, but actually you, you, you're you such a professional and so knowledgeable. And you're also able to verbalize things in things in a way <laughs> <laughs> that I obviously um, you know, can learn from. So uh, just thank you for having this conversation with me today. And you've given me a lot to consider and go back. And I want to look at a few things. Um, is there anything else that you would share with me about spectrum, the process, or, or even the genre of an IEP that maybe I didn't hit on? Um...
1: Nothing that I can think of. Nothing that I can think of. The only what I will say is one thing that I always did with my students that isn't a part of the IEP is Mm -hmm. kind of putting um, putting the IEP back on the student. Um, Mm -hmm. We kind of come to the table. It's once a year and then it gets put in a file. And as a teacher, we pull it, we, you know, we come back to it every meeting, but the reflection piece, I think is what's missing on the part of the student. Um, Mm -hmm. It would be really nice if that were a part of the IEP so that each year we could kind of see how that student sees themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you grow? Is there something that you didn't accomplish, but you still want to continue on with this goal? And yes, it's a part of the conversation at the annual meeting. but I'm a you know I'm a reflection person I always want to go back and yeah. like what worked and what didn't work and so yeah. I think that that would be something that is missing from the IEP that would be very helpful for the student
0: and the so. parent as well
1: and the parent like, yeah
0: I can imagine that that would be an amazing part to add to the conversation yeah so yeah. okay but that's
1: it thank <sighs> you for your kind words
0: Wow. I mean, every bit of it. And um, I thank just you. wish that I was still working with you. So yes. thank you for crossing my path and I'm glad we're still friends. So absolutely. All right. Well, I'll let you go then. Enjoy the rest of your birthday.
1: Okay. Thanks. Thank Bye. You so much. You're welcome.
0: Bye-bye. <laughs> Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation I had with my friend Nikki. Wow, I was so surprised by the idea that a Spectrum teacher or the special ed teacher was there to also support the teacher in the classroom and not the student. And you know, reflecting on that a little bit, maybe I shouldn't have been surprised, but I think it points to the lack of communication that sometimes happens within a school setting. Um, the professionals in the room have so many things on their plate. I know as a classroom teacher, I am worried about lesson plans preparing all my students and having you know such a high volume of sometimes 150 to 180 students that I'm seeing a day. Um, There's a stress to even simply remember their names, let alone all the things that need to be done to to best teach that. which you know just having this opportunity to speak with uh, someone in the spectrum position and to hear their thoughts on what an IEP meeting is for the strengths of it the value that she finds in it um, really the most surprising thing to me was hearing uh, that uh, that social emotional role that she is playing in the classroom. And I'm just thankful that there is uh, that role being served in the room for, again, those particular students, that subgroup and subpopulation. I am still uh, drawn and concerned about the number of students who are not recognized as gifted, not just minorities maybe who should have been that are being overlooked, but also just students who don't fall into that particular category and how well a system could work if it were set up to, to really look at these needs for each individual. And, and I know that would be, uh, again, so, such a high finance financial uh, change in our school systems that it is unlikely to happen. Uh, but I do think we spend quite a bit of money on standardized testing and uh, even technology and perhaps some of those uh, finances could be uh, diverted so that students could have more uh, attention to them. Just having more teachers available so that class sizes were smaller and hiring more professionals in the role of spectrum and more counselors to actually serve the purpose that they're designed to do um, and not get bogged down with having to take care of testing or having to take care of scheduling, but to actually counsel and assist the students. So um, these are just some things that I'm thinking of in response to this singular conversation. Uh, I, I'm excited to, to pursue the idea a little bit more, um, and I just know that the more conversations we have, the greater the communication is. L- like Nikki said also, uh, she loves the idea of reflection. I was impressed by that addition to the conventions that she thought would be uh, appropriate in an IEP an opportunity for the student to write um, and the student to, uh, since in high school at least, if they're coming as, you know, the stakeholder or the focus of the conversation, it does seem so appropriate to have a student submit in writing a reflection and to, you know, paperclip that to the IEP as a required document. or as part of a tool that could be valuable for the community in the room having the discourse. So, um, yeah, I, I find this just a beginning for me. I'm excited to see where uh, where I can uh, learn some more information and maybe spend some more time talking to other professionals in the room and. Uh, I just want our students to be served in the best way possible and I think communication of our roles and looking at uh, our needs as they arise uh, sometimes uh, we're we're just really not in the room when decisions are being made uh, about how these students can best be met and when we are sometimes we are kept silent because of the conventions of of that IEP and I'm so excited to have learned this so hopefully you found it valuable too and um, that's all I have for this week so thank you for tuning in and for listening to This Rhetorical Life.